Welcome to the Thrive Church weekly message. We hope you enjoy this message and we pray that it blesses you. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz. Awesome. Thank you, Jared. Man, it's good to be in the house of God. Uh, this morning, really enjoying just, man, oh, look at you all out there. Man, this is so cool to see you all. Good morning. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, just want to start, just had a couple of words for some people. Uh, Nathan, you're the guy on drums, eh? You're Nathan? Yeah. Yeah, I learnt your name this morning. This is good. Uh, hey, I just, um, I just saw a picture of you. Um, actually, you were in a car seat. You were driving in the day and it was raining. And uh, you were like, oh, I'm going to turn the windscreen wipers on because I can see more clearly now the windscreen wipers are on. And I just believe God's saying in this season, like you're driving in the day. You're a part of his kingdom. You're a part of the kingdom of light. But I just see you discovering new levels of his grace and his wonders that are just going to clear your screen. And you're going to be able to see life more clearly and see where you need to go. And I just feel like God's with you and you're an awesome young man. So come on. Yeah. And um, Emma, Emma Trimble, um, you were there. Yes, Emma. Hey, um, you're awesome. I just see you radiating the, the glory, the beauty and the majesty of God. I just looked over to you and I just felt like God just really just wanted me to encourage you with that. And then I immediately went on thinking that. I immediately reflected on being in Sydney and Debbie and I have got one of our favourite destinations, which I think is called the Queen Victoria um, Shopping Centre. You were meant to help me out at that point. Anyway, the Queen Victoria building, and I don't know if anyone's ever been there, but it's just like built when obviously Queen Victoria was around because it's quite old. But it just has this incredible beauty around it, the architecture and the, the levels and all that. And I just, we walk in there and we're like, ah, oh, this place is just awesome. And so I just see you, like people looking at your life, that's why I was saying that, people looking at your life and going, wow, God has done such a good job. Like what is flowing through your life? Like people being amazed at his grace and amazed at what he's done. So you're amazing, Emma. Be blessed. Come on. Um, Actually, just uh, one other notice I wanted to just... uh, advertised this morning just because it was a bit of a last minute.com from uh, Gateway down there. Uh, so Gateway Church, New Life Church in Rangiora, awesome church. And um, they have got a uh, men's breakfast happening next Saturday morning, 8 o'clock. It's $10. There's a guy called Ed Delf speaking. Apparently he's awesome. He's friends with Lance Wallnow and we're friends with Lance Wallnow, sort of. And uh, we've, we follow his stuff anyway. He's great. Um, and so this is going to be a great uh, morning. Um, Gareth is taking a few guys there and so we reckon it would be cool to take a good contingent from Thrive and just really bless their morning down there. If you're keen on that, sign up at Info today. Thank you very much for your patience as I delivered that information. Uh, another thing just that I want to uh, celebrate uh, this morning is that over the last kind of month or so, we have um, been just talking about getting involved with church life from children's ministry to host team to the worship team. And I just want to celebrate your generosity, church, and the way that, you know, you, you give um, uh, with your heart, your whole heart. And, and we know that our community is going to be impacted with, like, 
a people, a people that are going to give with their whole heart. And so I want to celebrate that we've had like 12 new people uh, put their hands up and say, I want to be involved with what you guys are doing on a Sunday morning. And, and so there's six people that are keen on the band and six people on the host team. And we're just really excited because the more people that get involved, the more room we can create for other people. When they come in, they feel more welcome. They feel more at home. And, and so we want to see our host team pumping and our band pumping and our kids ministry like just overflowing on Sunday mornings and 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 this is because we believe there are greater things ahead for us as a church we we are set on starting another even and not another one but an evening service um, at some stage this year we hope in the not too distant future but we need our teams to be ready and strong and we don't want to just like frazzle uh, you guys at all so if you're not involved with anything you're like oh gee I just need to do that, then um, you could sign up and get involved with something awesome at, uh, at this church, because this church is going places that are not in the past, they are in the future, and God has got a good plan. So this morning, uh, I want to talk about uh, receiving our inheritance in God as sons and daughters, as sons and daughters, oh, what's your flavour? Um <laughs> I can't help it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sons and daughters, a tangent adjourned, uh, as Liz would say. Uh, receiving our inheritance as sons and daughters of the Most High King. And I just want to kick this off with some references to Scripture um, and then just break open how we can receive our inheritance. And so it's really like a part of being a son and a daughter is that it's just so good because when we belong to uh, any family, when we're a son or a daughter, we have privileges of being a part of a family. And that is like no different to the family of God and the kingdom. He wants His his privileges to flow through our life. And, And in a sense, we have this kind of mandate to reveal who He is to this world. So let's just jump into Colossians 1 here in verse 12. It says, The Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. That's a good start. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. I love this. It talks about night and day, uh, black and white. Like we are called out of a dark place and into this kingdom, this kingdom that has an expression of the son and daughtership of Jesus Christ. We've been removed from a dark place and brought into a family that is shining bright. This is a good start. But, in, you know, an inheritance, when we think of an inheritance, we're like, oh, yes, one day when so-and-so may, you know, then I'm going to, oh, yeah, and that's going to be, uh-huh. and we're going to be like, this is good because we like stuff. We like to receive things, and that's something that God's, you know, He's created us to be receivers. So we get excited when we start thinking about what we're going to, what we're going to get one day. But an inheritance is not like, you know, win big Wednesdays or lotto or anything like that with only a few lucky winners that can get it. And we all go, oh, well, let's just stick with the same numbers. And one day in the year 3000, I'll get my big... No, kingdom inheritance 
is available and it's entrusted to every individual in the body of Christ. Every individual in this room is like God has got an inheritance for you to access right now. You don't have to wait for someone to pass away. Jesus did that and rose again so that you could enter into your inheritance. So what does it say uh, about inheritance in Romans 8? It says this in verse 15, The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit that you received brought about your adoption into sonship. There it is again. You're brought into the family. For the creation waits in eager expectation. Everyone say eager expectation. That's good. Nice alliteration there. For the children of God to be revealed. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. And I love this passage of Scripture. I've obviously moved a few verses out there, but I just wanted to keep the, the, the three key verses in that for you. And there's, there's two images that I just want to focus on from these Scriptures. And that number one is that there are adopted sons and daughters in this, this passage of Scripture. These people, it says that they are free from fear, and they are a part of God's family. They are, if you're free from fear, what are you? are full of courage. You are ready. You are connected. And so you've got this people group here. They're already and connected, fearless, full of love. And then we've got the second part of the Scripture is that we've got creation. It frames creation in here. And creation is framed in this posture of expectation. It's, it says it's expecting it's waiting and it's groaning. It's groaning like someone who's about to have a baby. And I don't know if you've ever been in the same room with someone who's about to have a baby, but it's noisy and it's intense and it's an intense environment. And this, this verse is saying that something is going to get born into creation. But it says that it's waiting for something else. It says, if you combine these two realities in Romans 8, you see that there are these people who are entrusted with the liberation of this planet. It says that all creation is waiting in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Who are the children of God? That's you. It's not the guy with the microphone necessarily, except on Sunday mornings. <laughs> you know, we are all in this together. We don't just come along and do church on Sunday and clock in and we've done our religious thing for the week and we can just leave God at church and then we can go out on Monday and just like, hey, let's just be the other real in life because I just want to be normal. No, we're actually called to bring the revelation of Jesus Christ to our planet to our world, to our assignments, to our families and those tensions around our life. The earth is waiting for you to reveal the inheritance of God through your life. It's waiting for you to display the awesomeness of God. That's a good word. Let's just pray like Jesus taught us to pray. Father, we just give you thanks today. 
We give you thanks that we are your kids. And you said, pray like this, your name's holy. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we thank you for your reality, for heaven's reality flowing into our lives, Lord. And today, God, wherever we're at, whatever our space is today, Lord, we receive your grace. We receive your reality. We thank you that heaven is an environment of freedom. And we take that today and we say yes to your promises for our life. Do you know when, amen. And uh, do you know when uh, Jesus, (laughs) Jesus entrusted this prayer to his disciples. He didn't like say, hey, you know, just pray this prayer because it's quite a good idea and it's going to get you by in life. And, you know, it's going to, you'll scrape through from week to week and this prayer will be quite helpful for you. He was like, no, guys, I want you to pray this prayer because I know that if heaven doesn't come to earth, then this planet is in a place of hopelessness. You need to see heaven invade earth in your life. So pray that prayer, declare that prayer. Believe the prayer that I'm entrusting to you. Our inheritance as sons and daughters of the King is to bring the same freedom that is available in heaven to earth. Like that's a good, like he had a good idea. Like this is a, this is, this is a great revelation, you know? Like, because life is full of obstacles and frustrations. And, and if we just kind of keep sweeping stuff under the mat and just put it on our happy face and just, you know, that's not going to deal with it. Like, we want to see heaven invade earth and see His kingdom come in our lives. And we've talked about those spheres of our, of our community that we want to see God released into and, and us released into, and, you know, in family, and education, and business, and media, and arts, and government, and then in spirituality, in the, in the church mountain, the religious mountain. Like, God is, He's calling His believers to be at the top of each one of those mountains, to be at the edge of, um, of His intentions and creativity. Come on. Romans 5.17 says this, How much more will those sons and daughters who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Christ Jesus? Like that's awesome. (laughs) Come on. We are called to reign in life with His abundant provision provision of grace and His gift of righteousness. We don't have to prove ourselves to Him anymore. We have everything available to us by His grace. So through that, He's saying that as sons and daughters, we could be full of vision and empowered by the Father to change the world, to rule and reign in life, to be the head and not the tail. And I love the ministry of Jesus because he was, um, he was, you know, he was God, obviously, but he was a man as well who laid, he's poured his life out and his destination ultimately was the cross, wasn't it? And then his ultimate, ultimate destination was to defeat, you know, the power of death and then rise from the dead three days later, conquering sin and death. So he had, he was he had this in his heart and he was journeying towards Jerusalem. But on his way, he would stop by people on the way and he would see the kingdom of God flowing through his life and flowing through just, just, by, just by passing him by. People would receive the goodness of God. 
And, and that's the same way in our lives, that God is actually wanting to flow through our lives and bring release and freedom and heaven into people's realities, into their world. In Mark 10, Jesus is on His way somewhere again. And we're going to jump into this at verse 46. It's a story of that amazing encounter with blind Bartimaeus. They came to Jericho. As Jesus and His disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting on the, by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. They're like, Shh. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and, and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, get on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. That's a great story. And I want to bring this morning three points about how we can receive our inheritance through Christ Jesus out of this story this morning. Number one, like Bartimaeus, who was completely dissatisfied with his lack of vision, the Bible says, without a vision, the people perish. Like, he was not satisfied with his lack of vision. And I'm not, today I'm not telling, I want to come up the front and just tell everyone that you've got a lousy vision for your life. But I want to tell you today that God is calling you to see more, to open your heart more to his love. He has always got more for our lives. We've never arrived in any season of our life. He is always doing a new thing. He's always expanding. He is love and he has got an incredible plan for our lives. So we, we see here Bartimaeus and he's sitting on the side of the road begging and he hears that it was Jesus. And he begins to shout, Jesus, Jesus. And he's calling out because in his life, he is completely out of options. And this, this blindness that he had struck him had confined him to a world of darkness. And for most of his life, he had to be led everywhere by someone else. Someone else had had to do the seeing for him. Someone else had had to take his hand and show him where to go. He'd always had to borrow someone else's vision. And he was sick of it. He was dissatisfied with blindness. He's like, I don't want to, I don't want to borrow someone else's vision anymore for my life. I want my own vision. I want to see, I want to see like so-and-so sees. I want to see like they see. I don't want to just touch things and kind of figure things out as I go and have someone take me somewhere. But I want a vision for my own life. He'd never had the freedom to see on his own. There's this story I want to share you of R.U. Harvey. So Harvey's uncle, he, he had gold fever. So he staked his claim and he started digging. After a lot of hard work, the uncle found a vein of gold ore. So he covered up his find and he returned home to raise the money for the machinery he would need. They raised the money and Darby travelled with his uncle back to the site to make his fortune. Things started well and before long they had enough to clear the depths and they were excited and everything from here on in would be profit and things were looking good. And then the vein of gold stopped. It had dis 
appeared. They kept on digging, but they found nothing. And then after a while, they quit in frustration and they sold their machinery to a junk man for a few hundred dollars. They returned home in disappointment. However, the astute junk man called in a mining engineer who checked the mine and he calculated that there was a vein of gold just three feet from where Darby and his uncle had stopped digging. The junk man went on to make millions from that mine. Yes, cool, cool story. It's written in a book, so it didn't just make it up. Are you Harvey? He missed out by three feet. Three feet before the gold that he could have struck, he was overwhelmed with disappointment and became satisfied that he had done enough. Just three feet. If he'd stayed just dissatisfied, if he'd just stayed on the front of his seat, if he'd just leant into into that axe just a little bit more, he would have struck gold just three feet away. But he had said, no, I've dug enough. Ah, oh, I've spent, I've spent enough, you know. I've searched enough. But what he needed was a new perspective. He needed a fresh vision from someone else. And and the junk man, he, this is when he he wasn't satisfied that the gold vein had given all that had been promised. So he went and got another perspective, and he struck gold immediately. You know, in the New Testament, there's uh, the Apostle Paul, and he wrote most of the New Testament. He's an amazing father to the church and the people, and he gave his life, he spent his life encouraging and building people up and instructing. And he's looking at this church in Ephesus, and, and, and you read this in the book of Ephesians, and, and he must have been looking at them and just feeling dissatisfied with their perspective and their vision. And he was like, there's so much more for you guys as a church, Ephesians. Like, there's so much more out there for you. And he writes this prayer to them in Ephesians 1.18. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people. He's like, guys, you're missing out on saying what is right in front of you, your inheritance as sons and daughters. See, Paul knew what it was to be like physically blind and spiritually blind. He's on the road to Damascus. He's like breathing out murderous threats, isn't he? The Bible says against like the disciples at the time, and he is full of hatred. And he is just, he's a man on a mission to destroy like the early church. And he's on his way, and Jesus appears to him in a vision, and he strikes him down, and he falls off his horse, and, he, and he's blinded physically. And then he gets instructions to go. I think Jesus gives him instructions to go to a house and he goes to a house and in the process of receiving his physical sight, he he has the eyes of his heart opened to this revelation that Jesus Christ is for him. And so he knows what it's like to be spiritually blind and physically blind. And he's like, church, just please just open the eyes of your heart. Stop trying to see with your physical eyes. Stop trying to weigh things up within the natural, like God is talking to you in the spirit and he wants you to spend time with me. And he's gonna, you know, he's gonna 
Open your eyes to things that you've never, ever seen or imagined. And the Holy Spirit wants our hearts to see clearly this rich inheritance that He has for every one of His kids, His sons and daughters. Come on. Enlightened in the dictionary just means this, freed from ignorance and misinformation. I want some more. I want to get a little bit more free of of the ignorance and misinformation that this world is trying to actually, you know, just clothe us with and cloak us with and shut us down with because God has got so much more for His children. And I believe that God wants to give each one of us a great vision for our lives. So we're not going through life just holding onto someone else's hand going like, yeah, I just believe in your vision and I'm kind of going your way and that's awesome. No. Like you're called to carry a vision for your life. You're called to have a conviction for where you're going and who you are in Christ Jesus. You're called to see with your spiritual eyes. I love that scripture that says in Romans uh, 8, you know, that the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Do you know that saying that our, our reasoning mind is actually subject to the mind of Christ, to the spiritual mind? That when His government, when His governance starts flowing through our lives, we start actually building in the kingdom. And if we just stay trying to work it out in our own mind, we're never actually going to make progress in the things of God and in receiving our inheritance inheritance from Him. Let's not stay satisfied with where we're at in our current perspective. God is doing a new thing. The second thing Bartimaeus needed to do to receive his inheritance, well, this is the second thing that I think anyway, there might be other things, but the fact was that he needed to overcome isolation. That day, you know, like many other beggars, Bartimaeus is in a crowd people swirling around and he's sitting, perhaps he's sitting in his familiar spot on the side of the road and people, hey, Bartimaeus, how are you? High five. You know, he'd been confined to the spot. He'd been confined to people's opinions and perspectives of his life and they would know that was his spot to beg. And then from the spot, he'd heard stories about Jesus. He'd heard how Jesus, you know, fed thousands of people with a few loaves and fish. And he'd heard about this young girl who'd been raised to life. And he'd, he'd, be, he'd heard about this incredible story of like four friends that went and picked up a paralytic guy and they couldn't get into the meeting. So they had to get on top of the roof and they pulled the roof apart, lowered the guy down onto the floor at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus forgave him and healed him. And he'd heard of that. He had had heard about this party where Jesus turned water into wine and he was like, what can Jesus not do? What can he not do? Perhaps he can do something for my life. And, and, And in this moment though, he had cried out. He had said, Jesus, son of David, had mercy on me. And Jesus had been so close, but the crowd that just rebuked him and that told him to be quiet and, and rejection had hit him hard. And he was like, man, I've just been rejected my whole life because this stupid blindness I can't see. And I'm isolated from seeing who Jesus really is. And, you know, I want to tell you that your inheritance and your acceptance is not found in the crowd. 
Your inheritance is not found in shops and fashion and magazines on Facebook. It's not in social media. It's not where you're going to get your identity, getting the most likes and all that kind of stuff. The spirit of the crowd is the spirit where majority rules. But I want to tell you that Jesus Christ, He is the majority and He's, he's the one. He's the one that we need to be connected to, to to see the destiny of our inheritance flow through into our lives. In Colossians 1, as I said, it says, For He rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. Our inheritance is for us just because of a family connection. You are a son and a daughter. And no matter if you've just been put into a corner with rejection or the crowds try to isolate you or peer pressures try to make you do this or you've found yourself just kind of like just rolling your eyes at yourself because you just don't like the way you look or whatever, I want to tell you that your inheritance, your future, your greatness is found in Christ Jesus. In verse 46, it tells us, uh, what his name actually means, Bartimus. Barta, I can't even say it, Bartimus. <laughs> Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. He was not even given his own name. It was like me calling my kids Glenn 1, Glenn 2, Glenn 3, Glenn 4, Glenn 5. They, they didn't, he didn't have his own name. He was just like, oh, he's the son of, he's the son of Timaeus. So what happens to us when we begin to reach out for our inheritance and you know we get shouted down perhaps and perhaps it's not loud shouting perhaps it's in the looks perhaps it's in the you know in the comments perhaps it's in our family or in our or our friends and they and they just they just like just settle down it's getting a little bit too passionate it's just like your prayers are getting a little bit big for God you know like he can't it's not likely What's, what's, what happens to us? See, the agenda of the crowd is to bring us down to the crowd's level. That's what the crowd will do. And the, the, that day, the crowd wanted to bring Bartimaeus' courage down to their level. You know, there was no one else shouting out. They wanted to bring his determination down to his level. He's like trying to stand on his feet, you know. Trying to bring his desire to be connected with the Most High God and the one who was going to, you know, let the inheritance of his vision flow through to him. They were trying to bring that all down to their level. But I love Bartimaeus because the spirit of this crowd does not conform him and and he's not going to conform to the majority. And he just begins to shout out his dreams. And he shouted more. He said, Son of David, have mercy on me. And I want to encourage you people just to keep getting up. When you get shouted down, whether by looks or, or whatever, through people's other agenda, I want to encourage you just to keep getting up, just to let your faith rise, to get encouragement. There's so many people around you who are believing with you and want to see you succeed in your life. And I want to call you up. If you've been knocked down today and you're like, is God that good? Could God do miracles? Could God break through in my life? I want to encourage you to stand up again and say, Jesus, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy 
on me. And we love the story because Jesus stopped and he turns towards Bartimaeus and he said to the guys around him, you know, call him. So they brought him to Jesus. And then Jesus asks the most bizarre question to a blind man, what do you want? Of course, he, Jesus knew what he wanted. He already asked people to bring him to him because he, he knew that he couldn't get to him. But he wanted, to, he wanted to hear the confession from his mouth, I want to see. I want to see my final point today to receive our inheritance is that we need to know what we want. What do you want today? Do you want to see? Do you want the eyes of your heart to be opened? Do you want to see breakthrough in your family? Do you want to see promotion in your workplace? Do you want to see like the lost people fed? Do you want to see our community radically transformed with the love of Christ? Do you? What do you want to see? Do you want to see your debt cancelled? Like I think God's big enough for your problems. He's big. He is awesome. He is doing a new thing. What do you want in that? What's the frustration that is compelling you? Are you just sick of holding on to others' guidance? Maybe you're like, I just want my own vision. But that day, Bartimaeus' faith in Jesus Christ was the catalyst to him owning his breakthrough, his dissatisfaction with his current reality, his desire to reach out to Jesus above the noise of the crowd, saw him receive the Father's promise. We need to be a people who know what we want. And you look through the Bible and you see these dissatisfied people. Like you see Nehemiah, who he's just such a champion in his day. He he looked at, a, at Jerusalem and its walls were broken. It was a The city was decimated. It had been destroyed. And he said, I'm dissatisfied. I'm dissatisfied. I can't can't tolerate the brokenness of this town, of the city. And he called together the people and they rallied together and the wall was built and the temple was restored and the, and the nation celebrated because this guy was dissatisfied with what he saw. David was dissatisfied with Goliath. He looked at him, he's like, how dare this Philistine defy the armies of the Most High God? And it compelled him to step out and do something courageous for his king and put his life on the line. Do you know, as sons and daughters, God has got a unique plan and path for our lives. And maybe today, some of those things that you're dissatisfied could become your I wants. I want to see breakthrough. I want to see his kingdom come in my life. Because we can all look around and go, man, creation is groaning around me. (laughs) It's like, we're called to liberate it. We're called to bring freedom to our community. We live in an amazing part of this country and God has an amazing destiny for our region. We're here for such a time as this church. If we could just have the band up now, that'd be awesome. So what do you want? Maybe you're sitting there today and you're like, I don't even know what I want. That's okay. You can just ask God, what should I want? (laughs) Do you know what a good place to start is? The Bible says in, in Matthew 6, to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all things will be added to you. Today, it could be that you're just like, do you know what I want? I want to seek first Him. I want to seek first His goodness in my life because there's nothing better 
is going to uh, transpire in our lives when we're seeking first the kingdom of God. Let's just stand together in this moment. And I just want to take a moment as the band plays just for each one of us, just to connect with the Holy Spirit and just to ask Him right now, like, no, just to tell Him right now what you want. (laughs) And if you don't know what you want, perhaps ask Him. Maybe God's going to bring some people to your mind and you know that today you're, you're called to, that, to those people. Maybe it's going to be a job or a career move or a business or something like that that comes to mind. Maybe there's a frustration in your life and you want to see victory in that. Just put that before the Lord in this moment right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord. You know, He's calling people out of isolation in this room. He's calling people to stand out of the crowd. He's calling us. He's calling people up to bring preeminence to the kingdom. And if today you're sitting there and you're like, man, I'm just not a part of this family and you want to be connected to the Father's heart through Christ Jesus, then this is a moment I just love to pray with you in this moment right now. Perhaps if that's you and you're like, I just want to receive grace for my life. You just want to put your hand on your heart as we pray together. Lord Jesus, I just give you thanks for your amazing love for my life. I thank you that you chose me and you've called me. And today I receive your grace. I receive your freedom. I receive a fresh start. And today I want to seek you first with all of my heart. I want to say that you're my number one today and I want to follow you. In Jesus' name.